Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You're listening to the first and only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Hear from independent pharmacy owners, leading entrepreneurs, political strategists, healthcare technology trends, career coaching, interviews about our pharmacy industry, and more. Be sure to subscribe to the show via iTunes and leave us a voice comment from our contact section on the website. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. Hello, this is John Beaver. I am the Head of Translational Imaging and a Research Fellow at AbbVie Research and Development, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hi, it's Joe Lavelle, host of the Intrepid Healthcare Podcast, and I'm popping in to congratulate my friend Todd Yuri on your great success with the Pharmacy Podcast. Your show is my single best resource for pharmacy content knowledge, and I really appreciate all you do. Take care. Hey, my favorite part of the pharmacy podcast shows is the interview section. And I'll tell you what, we have a really interesting interview uh, for the listeners. I met uh, John Beaver through the internet, through searching, and he is uh, with AbbVie, and he is a researcher in neuroimaging. And when I had an opportunity to hook up with uh, this organization, AbbVie, as well as John, I jumped on it. And um, it's going to be a really interesting show. First of all, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast, John. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks a lot uh, for welcoming and inviting me to be here. You're very welcome. Hey, just to set the groundwork for our listeners, what is your background and how did you get to where you are today? Well, I uh, did an undergraduate degree in psychology at Rutgers University in New Jersey, and that interest in how the mind works led me into the hardware of the mind, which is the brain. After finishing that undergraduate degree, I went off to the University of Cambridge in the UK to do a PhD in uh, cognitive science, which is the kind of interface between the mind and the brain, and generally started to drift into the interest of how chemical systems in the brain give rise to the mind, and that brought me into an interest in pharmacology, neuropharmacology, um, and the creation of pharmaceuticals and drugs. And essentially, that brought me into the industry of trying to discover new drugs, and that's what I've been doing for the last just about 10 years, is working in a variety of different pharmaceutical companies applying the technology of imaging to help us more efficiently develop better drugs. So um, lots of people in academia and higher education that I talk with, as a matter of fact, one of our co-hosts, Dr. Aaron Albert, um, focuses on career transition, um, development, entrepreneurship. She actually teaches an entrepreneurship in um, Butler University uh, School of Pharmacy. So it's really interesting to hear you say that. Um, what what made you decide from transitioning from academia to working in the pharmaceutical industry? Well, at the time, I think there were a few drivers. I think the main one was that the industry tends to be quite close to delivering treatments for patients. And that was certainly a key driver for me. It was sort of getting, staying in research but moving closer to the patient than I was previously in the more basic research area. Um, additionally, as I mentioned, I, I kind of drifted into becoming interested in chemical systems in the brain and how they were giving rise to the mind. 
and that's really typically the domain of um, researchers who are working with different types of drugs, and pharmaceutical companies are really great places for that kind of work. So that, that kind of just led me naturally into looking at what pharmaceutical companies were doing, and I ended up um, being presented with an opportunity that was really perfect for me at the time to, to get an entry-level position and just drifted from there. You know, one of the best things about doing this podcast is I learned so much about little facets of our industry that I had no idea about. And it just uh, blows my mind up. You know, someone who sold uh, pharmacy management systems and very much a marketer and love business development, but to learn about pharmacogenomics, to learn about neurology, to learn about um you know, opioid addiction and the, and there's technology out there to helping those patients, um, um, medication therapy management, all of those types of things just uh, fascinate me. So the closest I've got to uh, neuroimaging was a small company that's now a pretty big company, um, partially funded by GE, which is Omnix out of Pittsburgh, uh, Go Pittsburgh. And um, they were focused on digital pathology. And when I started thinking of and reading some of the things that AbbVie was looking at, started following some of the tweets even, and started Googling some of this information, neurological imaging just kind of opened my mind to think about other things. Uh, what kind of neurological imaging are you actually doing? So here at AbbVie, we do a few different types of imaging. So we, we are very interested in trying to established that the drugs we are making to treat conditions in the brain are actually getting into the brain. And believe it or not, that's actually a huge challenge for pharmaceutical companies. Um, the brain is exquisitely protected by a barrier that prevents chemicals from passing out of the bloodstream into the brain tissue. And that, believe it or not, that's the reason for a lot of drugs that you know companies are trying to work on for brain conditions don't actually work. They just don't get into the brain in a reasonable concentration. So one type of imaging that we tend to do is directly looking in preclinical and clinical stages at the extent to which our drugs are getting into the brains of patients. Um, and that's that's one very direct way of then accessing it is pretty much literally just taking a picture using imaging of how much drug is there in the brain of a patient. Another type of imaging that we do is to look at the pathology in different patient populations or in animal models and trying to assess the extent to which our drugs may be reducing that pathology. Um, so a really hot area right now is in the neurodegenerative diseases, and we have new tools that have come out in the past five years or so that are helping us to image um, proteins in these neurodegenerative diseases. And it's really exciting because we can directly see the proteins in the brain, and it's, it's an incredibly powerful way of both understanding how severe a disease is in a patient, but also um, getting really deep insight into how our drugs may be affecting those. Well, a huge initiative in the United States healthcare system is really uh, jumping on technologies, processes, and practices to dig into behavioral health and uh, what that means for our society. And um, I've heard so many 
um, that are much more intimate involved in the behavioral health industry as to um, you know the frustrations and stress levels that they are as these healthcare providers and they feel that you know that they're missing information so this type of research is right on point with that initiative uh, with behavioral health so that's amazing what have uh, we been able to see um, that we couldn't see before so you know, some, some of the things that we can see that have been incredibly useful for us in thinking about how we can develop um, effective therapies for patients with neurodegenerative diseases is that the buildup of things like misfolded proteins in the brain is happening years and years and in some cases decades before you start to see changes in everyday life. So you know, going back to your point about behavioral health, so you know, we start to see patients with dementias forgetting where they put their keys or forgetting simple things like how to drive to the diner where they've had breakfast every day for the last 20 years. And what we've learned um, to some extent through imaging is that the changes in the brain that are underlying the loss of these functions are occurring 10, 15, even 20 years before forgetting how to get to the diner is actually starting to happen. And so that's been incredibly powerful for us thinking about when we should be intervening with patients. And in the neurosciences, you know, typically we haven't been intervening until patients do have pretty severe symptoms. But now we're seeing that these areas probably should think of a paradigm more similar to cardiovascular disease where we start to try and prevent disease. You know, uh, the very first thing um, that I started thinking of when I was imagining what imaging um, at this level of detail would expose is uh, data that uh, that Dr. Bennett uh, Omilu had done, which is famously known now from that movie called Concussion about uh, professional football players and their head trauma and um, being able to actually look at uh, how the brain was taking um, such a beating and then what happens um, over a period of time you know to that individual which is just mind-boggling and I actually haven't even seen that movie yet so shame on me but I've I've read much about the kind of the summary of that and the backdrop of that this really makes me think uh, someone that's in the pharmaceutical industry and who is passionate about pharmacy service providers you know how does this kind of imaging help to lead to the development of new drugs. Well, that's uh, it's kind of interesting that you brought it back to the aspect of concussion because this is really capturing the public discussion right now. Um, you know, as we see the interest in NFL players and how the repeated concussions that NFL players sometimes suffer are impacting their long-term neurological health. You know, we, we are seeing that these players develop the misfolded proteins that are associated with quite a number of neurodegenerative diseases like misfolded tau, um, and they develop them at a fairly young age. And one of the ways that we're directly able to see this is, is through the imaging of tau, which is a very new development in the last couple of years. We've had these new pet tracers come out that enable us to directly measure how much tangled tau is in a human's brain. 
Um, and that is translated into companies like uh, V developing drugs that are targeting this area. And you can imagine the potential impact that drugs targeting those type of proteins might have given how many different conditions are potentially associated there. So it could be ranging from you know, people, people having repeated concussions through rare neurological diseases like supranuclear palsy, right around through to much more common neurological diseases like Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, and what my next question is, you know, the the future of that development and the future impact on some of those uh, diseases. And, you know, what do you think the future of treating uh, neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and Huntington, uh, Huntington's disease, what do you think the impact of, of neuroimaging will have on that? Yeah, I, I think we're probably closer than ever to coming up with drugs that are likely to be more effective than anything we've had in the past for a lot of these areas. And I think one of the ways we're going to see neuroimaging play an important role here is, is helping us understand who are the right patients to benefit from different types of drugs. And I, I think we're seeing this for the first time in the Alzheimer's space start to play out where through the use of imaging of beta amyloid plaques in the brain, which are real hallmarks of Alzheimer's disease, we're learning that we need to intervene at a much earlier stage of the disease. So we're, we're looking at patients who are in the very early stages. And, and I think that's a key breakthrough in our understanding of what type of patient to be looking for. I think the industry has focused on much more severe Alzheimer's patients with anti-beta amyloid treatments only to see these clinical trials fail in phase three, so late phase development. And that's been an incredibly expensive learning exercise, but one that has had massive impact on how we think about getting the right patients on the right drug. And I think imaging is, is likely to play a huge role in that in the future. Um, not only in the development phases and helping us select patients that are most likely to show a benefit from our drug in development, but also probably in the clinic down the road where specialist neurologists can order the assessments and probably decide from a couple of different options in terms of the type of pathology that they could target with different therapeutics. And I, I think it's, it's gonna be an incredibly interesting next decade watching this type of practice take shape. I can't help, John, to think of, you know, the, the term big data is thrown around, I think sometimes is a buzzword, but really the underlying term under big data is predictive analytics and what that means for uh, a myriad of different things, especially in drug development. And I could see some of the data or a lot of the data for that, for that matter in uh, neuroimaging to be fed into these uh, analytical drivers and reports and algorithms to come out with these models and these tools 
to truly start predicting the outcomes of specific patients and those specific conditions and how these drugs are going to uh, impact them. And that that's so very exciting. So I'm wondering, has your team maybe on the data side, have you thought of or have planned, and I'm sure you have, of pushing some of this data to some of these predictive uh, models? Yeah, so that's you. We've been pretty interested in big data for a while now. And with respect specifically to how contribute, the contribution of brain imaging can play a role here, we, we have very much been thinking along those lines that you mentioned. So trying to help models hone in on different pathophysiological features. So if you are looking at you know, a, a set of, let's say, Alzheimer's patients, being able to specifically look at the impact of amyloid pathology on a set of parameters versus tau pathology. And that, that probably has a long way to go in terms of the development of these models. And certainly the development of these massive parallel computing capabilities is, is enabling the hardware that can run this, but we're really just now starting to generate the really big data sets that are going to have to go in here. And so a lot, there are a lot of kind of public-private consortia that are currently starting or ongoing, um, one of which is the Alzheimer's Disease Neuroimaging Initiative, which has been going on for a while now. And a lot of pharmaceutical companies participate. AbV is only one of probably more than a dozen. Um, but also the National Institutes of Health is a strong driver here. And I, I think these are really the very large data sets that are going to be required. That's uh, really interesting that you say that because the institutes and the collaboration from multiple drug manufacturers as well as uh, scientists and researchers are going to accelerate this. And it's so exciting to hear that AVI is kind of at the forefront and in, in the leadership of that neuroimaging. And it's been um, really interesting to read since I've learned about you specifically, John. And, um, you know, you should be excited what part you're playing, as I'm sure you are. You know, when I f listen to you talk and, and if I put myself in the place of a loved one who had a mother or a father or a wife or, you know, anyone really that was suffering from uh, this, I'd be very interested as a as a clinician, as a healthcare provider, and as a son or a husband to really understand uh, more and more of this, you know, as we all run to Dr. Google per se to, to find more information. Um, and that's why I'm excited about the podcast and meeting people like you. So what are some of the most important things to know for people concerned about these diseases for themselves and for their loved ones? So let me start out in answering your question by saying I'm not a healthcare provider and I'm not a professional care advisor, but I think it is important to know your family history because a lot of diseases are hereditary in nature, and even though we may not really specifically understand the contribution of genes or environment to all aspects of your susceptibility to developing a disease, we do oftentimes see that there is a much higher probability of you developing a given disease if a first degree or second degree relative had it. I think in the case of neurodegenerative diseases, if you do have a concern because you're seeing some kind of symptoms, there are 
a number of genetic tests that can be done, and certainly there are imaging assessments that can help you understand what diseases you could be potentially dealing with. But in this case, certainly your best bet is to go see your doctor and, of course, let your doctor assess what you may be dealing with rather than relying on Dr. Google. (laughs) Right. Well, you know what? I am fascinated by this. I'm sure that some of our uh, listeners are, are also. If AbbVie or you or any of your team members uh, ever want to return to the show to give us some um, updates on the progression, the research, uh, the wins, um, we all need to hear more and more wins about how we can uh, come together as a as a a team helping our patients be better in healthcare, but obviously in our more intimate industry of pharmaceuticals and pharmacy service providers. But John, I wanted to thank you so much for taking time to be on the pharmacy podcast and and helping us to understand neuroimaging and especially uh, the advancements of what AbbVie is doing. Well, thanks, Todd. It's been a delight to talk to you today. You're very welcome. You were listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. We run with John Beaver. He is a scientist and researcher in neuroimaging with AbbVie. We thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Pharmacy Podcast Show. Be sure to subscribe to the show and send us a voice message with your ideas and comments from our contact section on the website. Did you know we develop digital health content to assist with business development and marketing efforts? Learn how we can help you drive more patients, physicians, and targeted leads to your website. Contact us today at pharmacypodcast.com.